You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. So today, I want to talk about um, prevenient grace. I want to talk about what it means to be lost and where all this missional stuff is headed ultimately. So last week, using Matthew's story, remember Matthew was a tax collector that called by Jesus to follow him. Using that story, Chris helped to start the conversation last week about what it means to be a missional community. He contrasted the typical church as fire insurance experience with what we are after here at Mosaic as a missional community. And he gave us some good starting points for defining that alternate uh, uh, view of the Christian life. So we started with a thesis statement, and that is to be missional, to, to be a missional New Testament community is to live sent by actively seeking God's invitation into countercultural community and into the world of relational healing so that our world may experience kingdom transformation. Let's just, now that we've got it here, let's just read this together. To be a missional New Testament community is to live sent by actively seeking God's invitation into countercultural community and into the world of relational healing so that our world may experience kingdom transformation. And then we learned last week some of the key markers of a missional community. Missional community is an active work of reconciliation. Missional community recognizes that the sinfulness of the human condition is deeper than we naturally think. Missional community is often a messy and misunderstood form of countercultural community. Missional community calls us to simultaneously seek our own healing and in the process be a part of God's healing work in the lives of others. That's what we learned from Matthew's story last week. And our plan this month is to keep building on that list so we really get a flavor of what it means to be missional community. So, in Luke's gospel, the call of Matthew happens just as Jesus has come into his ministry. He has just stood up in the temple, and he has taken from the, he's taken his mission statement from uh, Isaiah's prophetic word, and he says to these people who are gathered, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. And to, and to announce that the year of the Lord's favor has come. That's chapter 4. And then in chapter 5, he begins to call his disciples, and Matthew is among them. The, the, the name Luke uses is Levi. It's the same guy, but his name in Luke is Levi. And, and Jesus calls him while the guy is sitting at his tax collector table. Levi, Levi gets right up and he follows him and then throws a big banquet for him. And so now, three years later... Jesus is about to be handed over to the authorities for crucifixion, but just before Luke begins that story of the passion of Jesus, he tells one more tax collector story. 
One more story of Jesus at somebody's table after he has invited them into the gospel. And this is the story of Zacchaeus. You know him, right? The wee little man. And a wee little man was he. But rich. (laughs) Zacchaeus was probably very rich, self-serving, corrupt, had to be a heartless guy, living in a very well-to-do city of Jericho. And you find this story in Luke chapter 19. So the best way to engage with the message is with your Bible, something to write on, something to write with. So grab your Bible, Luke chapter 19. If you need a Bible, raise a hand and we'll bring you one. Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. We got somebody here who needs a Bible. Um, where is... Uh, <laughs> We've just, Kim's got it. Kim, who is at Christ the King, is over here working at Mosaic. That is awesome. (laughs) Thank you, Kim, very much. (laughs) Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a cheap tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if, which is a funny little word there, circle it, in the Greek it literally means more like since. (laughs) But isn't that the way we tend to approach things? If I've done anything wrong, I'm really sorry. No, you did something, okay? You did something. Since I've cheated anybody out of things, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. In other words, this man too, is, is, he, he, he draws from the faith of Abraham and he deserves what Abraham deserves. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is the only case on record where Jesus invited himself into someone else's home, which is a bold ask, not scripted. It was Jesus seeing a moment a tiny inbreaking of the kingdom kind of moment, and it was sitting up in a tree. Nobody but Jesus could have known that this tax collector sitting in a tree was a kingdom moment waiting to break out, and Zacchaeus probably didn't even know it either, but he welcomed it. He took it. You've been in those moments, right? When you say yes to something and you don't even know where that yes came from, it's like some other voice came out of your head, and all the way home you're thinking, what are you even doing? While your mouth is saying, I'm in, this is awesome. And your body is shimmying up a tree to see Jesus and down the tree to be with Jesus. If you have had a salvation moment, you've done this, you've been there. I'm taken especially by the detail that Luke adds. Zacchaeus ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. In that line, Zacchaeus is literally acting out what we call provenient grace. So I have to tell you this thing that happened last week. I was um, doing an interview with a guy who wanted to talk about the Global Methodist Church, but he ended up asking me a lot of questions about Mosaic. 
So I told him about the Mosaic Center, and I described our six programs that flow out of that side of our ministry, GED Tutoring and Free Tuesdays and Women of Worth and the Mosaic Center at Maxwell House and the Pantry and Pathways and and Exceptional Circles. And I talked about all of them and about how we get to, to meet with people through all of these opportunities and and, and, and become friends with people. And after describing all these great things that you, you, this missional community does, he asked me, how does provenient grace figure into all these things you're doing? Now, you know he had to be a pastor to even ask that question. But it was a great question. I had never really thought about what we do. A great part of what we do is provenient grace. We're the provenient grace guys. But he, he nailed it. It's what we do. All these ministries are great conduits of provenient grace, a kind of running ahead and getting someone in place because we see Jesus coming at them. That's provenient grace. It is the grace that calls us, woos us to Christ before we even know his name sometimes. And we may not even be aware of its pull on us. It's constant invitation over us, but it's what's beneath those moments when we find ourselves saying yes to things we didn't mean to say yes to, running ahead so we can get a glimpse of something that feels like truth. It's what's beneath all those local ministries we have birthed that give us space to have conversation with people who may need help seeing Jesus come their way. So provenient grace is running ahead for the sake of seeing Jesus. And missional communities treasure the work of provenient grace. So now I have to tell you about the email I got after I had that conversation with that guy, that interview. Somebody heard it, and she wrote to me, and she said, I especially liked your description of Mosaic. The ministries you have sound like social service, but then I thought, That's what Jesus did and what the early church was like. And when you talked about GED, I saw a T-shirt, one that says, I came for GED but got (laughs) G-O-D. And then she went on, she said, as one who received my GED before I headed to college at age 35 for a degree in psychology, I can appreciate what you are doing, not only for people's earthly future, but also for their eternal future. And then she said this, I wish I lived near you. I can see myself as part of Mosaic. And I wish you could know how often I hear that as I travel. She nailed it. Missional community is just trying to do what Jesus did. And it isn't for everyone. I want you to look at verse 7. I appreciate this verse in the middle of this story. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to the house of a sinner. Luke gave us that line as an encouragement to remind us that even when we're doing it right, not everybody will get it. There will always be people who don't understand. But listen to me, friends. They are not our mission. I'm learning that energy, which is limited, is best spent not on convincing the skeptic but on leaning in to the one who is running ahead to climb up the tree so he can say yes, even if he doesn't know why. So let's spend our energy on the ones who are wide open to the provenient grace of God and we'll leave the skeptics to somebody else. Look at verse 8. 
But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now, I give, all my pos- I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if, or since, I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. What strikes me about this part of the story isn't, is, what, is what isn't here. It's like there's this missing verses, you know? We don't hear the part about what Zacchaeus says to Jesus after he's come down from the tree while they're walking back to Zacchaeus' house or about what Jesus says to Zacchaeus while they're sitting at the table. The story takes us almost directly from the conversation in the tree. Zacchaeus, you come down to Zacchaeus all of a sudden making this beautiful proclamation of repentance and restoration, but we miss what makes that proclamation possible. It had to be the conversation between Jesus and Zacharias while they were walking on the road, while they were washing their hands and their feet at the doorway of Zacchaeus' house, while they were waiting for the meal to be served. Somewhere in that space, Jesus opened Zacchaeus' heart, mind, and spirit to the idea that he could be more, in fact, was more. Somewhere, In that space, the Holy Spirit got hold of Zacchaeus' heart, mind, and spirit. And Zacchaeus found himself standing up saying things he never thought he'd say that day. Those are the conversations between the tree and the proclamation. Those are the conversations that missional communities starve for. So I want to invite... Uh, leaders of three of the ministries that we serve that focus on those conversations. Gerilyn and George and Kim, if you guys will come. And as they come, I want to tell you who they are um, so, you'll <coughs> so you'll know who we're talking to. George Lutz is part of the leadership team for Free Tuesdays. That's our Tuesday night recovery ministry that serves folks with various recovery issues and or 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 want people who want to make their lives better um gerilyn delorentis is part of the leadership team for women of worth and she serves i'll scoot right on in there you go um she serves uh women of worth which is a mentoring ministry for women who are ready to move forward with their lives some of whom have come out of incarceration or recovery and kim Uh, Utley is part of our uh, GED tutoring program, which means Mondays and Wednesday mornings, and serves those who fall through the cracks of the more traditional GED programs. In other words, we'll we'll hang on to you for as long as you need it, um, um, if GED is your goal. So that's who we are. You know what these people are? They're tree huggers. That's what they are. They are people who are willing to look up into trees and find the Zacchaeuses up there who are ready to come down and have a conversation with Jesus. Um, So let's talk about the power of conversation. Each of your ministries thrives on -on one-on-one connections. Even Free Tuesdays, which we think of as a group thing, it really clicks in when you get the sponsor, right? When you, it really clicks in when you're working with the one-to-one stuff. So how does that happen in your ministry? We'll start with you, George. How does the one-to-one, how does the conversation work in your community? Okay. I'm, go- I'm going to start here. 
Am I on? I'm, I'm, I'm on. I'm on. Okay. I want to I want to start here because twelve step is a it, people look on the outside with twelve step and and I want to say to you if somebody would have told me uh, early on that I would have found what I, I was looking for in the Christian faith through twelve step I would have told them that they were crazy. <laughs> That's the truth. Mm. I thought it was for alcoholics and for for drug addicts and it turns out it's all for it's for all of us. Yeah. Because they are the new steps, they are, they are the New Testament steps for transformation. That's right. Uh, in in twelve step, a, a, a lot of the a lot of the work occurs in small group, but the main the main work occurs through your with your sponsor, and and your sponsor is basically someone who has done the twelve steps and continues to do them, who has been where you've been and where you are, and is willing to come alongside you and listen to you offer you grace, encouragement, and their wisdom so that you can make that journey towards freedom yourself. Uh, what 12-step does is it helps you find where the chains are mm. so the sun can set you free. Amen. Amen. Well said. That's really well said. Gerilyn? Um, well, One Minute Fourth is a mentorship program, and so the same thing, it's very similar to that in the relationship building that you know, your, your mentor is there to help you move along through questions that you have to figure out where you want to go with your life and how to do that. And then they have weekly meetings one-on-one, uh, -on -one, and then we have a group meeting where we just reiterate a bunch of stuff and help teach skills, life skills. Yeah. So it's really in that one-to-one, -one, the weekly th conversations, that you get really understand where a woman is and what her goals are, what her dreams are. That's where it happens. Yeah. Kim? Of course, the GED program is for those who do not have a high school education, and they come to us you know, for that knowledge. But also, we like to think they will come to us, and, and we can be a friend to them, welcome them, call them by name, you know, be there when they have concerns. And at that point, you know, many times we can offer to pray with them and, you know, just talk with them one-on-one. -on -one. Or sometimes as a group, we will pray for an individual, and then our conversation is one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. Yeah. So we have many times where not only are we talking language arts, math, social studies, science, you know, we're mm -hmm. talking the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's beautiful. So yeah. tell me what, Kim... What's the power of that one-to-one? -one? You, you've been a school teacher. You've been in rooms full of kids. What's the power of the one-to-one -one connection? Well, of course, the power is, is the confidence. They have to trust us, trust us with their heart, trust us with you know, getting them to that path of, of passing the GED. So uh, we uh, welcome them every morning. We call them by name. Ask them if it's Monday. We always ask, how was your weekend? Didn't it yeah. first... A lot of them are, you know, a little skeptic, but so many of them after a while will walk in, greet us mm -hmm. initially and start telling them about, telling us about their weekend mm -hmm. and, and what they did. And it's just that closeness, yeah. uh, that bond that we have formed with our students. Yeah. And then they trust us. Yeah. And so I think that's where the power of the conversation is that you can open your heart and trust another individual with, with anything you want to talk about. So you've just hit on the same word that Veronica hit on, which is trust. I mean, that's the power of relationship, and that's what we're after. It's why we have, because energy is limited, we've pulled away from uh, the kinds of things where people drop in, drop out, and we don't form relationship, and we have majored on 
ministries that form relationships so that we can build trust. So, Gerilyn, I have a question for you. Do you have a story you can tell about the power of a one-to-one conversation or relationship? Some, you know, some conversation that caused the light bulb to go off, gave somebody space they needed to process or made them feel safe enough to, to move forward? Absolutely. There was one woman who... Um, she was not in a job where she wanted to be. She lacked self-confidence and her mentor just, you know, she really wanted to go back to school. She wanted to get a different kind of job that was paying her better. And, but she was scared. And, um, the mentor just asked her question, you know, well, what, what is holding you back? And when we figured out it was the fear, um, the mentor said, well, you know, if you step forward and just do it, what, what's going to happen? And she thought about it, and then she said, well, you know, I might go to school, and, <laughs> you know, and then the mentor's like, well, if you don't do it, what's going to happen? And she said, well, then obviously I'm not going to go to school, and I'm not going to move forward. And so it was one of those things where you realize, well, if I just take that step, I'm not going to die. I'm just going to, like, move forward. And right. so she took that step, and um, right now she's in an amazing job and extremely happy, very self-confident, and um, ended up actually mentoring last year another protege. Wow. So wow. it was just really awesome. Story. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to make T-shirts that say the Mosaic Center, Nobody Dies. <laughs> and that holds true both for uh, those who are, we serve as well as those who serve. If you serve, you won't die. You won't get sucked in to something until Jesus comes back. Um, you won't get in over your head. It's just another person like you, right? So, George, um, what would you want to say to somebody to express the joy and hope you found in being involved with, particularly for you, Free Tuesdays? What would you say to somebody to express the joy and the hope you found so that maybe they might get it? Yeah, a lot of it really goes beyond words, really, for me. Um, I, I shared this last time, and I'll share it again. I, I'm, I'm a retired pastor. I've been, I was pastor for 39 years. It took me 25 years to come to a place to where I ended up in 12-step. It's interesting. I got treed. <laughs> I, I got treed, but I wasn't looking for Jesus. I'd already found him. Yeah. I was looking to escape this crazy world because it was breaking me down. And I and I, I found myself in, I found my way into twelve step through through a friend who offered who offered that that wisdom to me. And I, I just want to say to you, you know, I I in in the scriptures it talks about uh, the peace that surpasses all understanding. I would always read that verse, and I always I would always think, well, that's really kind of a nice ideal, you know, ideal, and maybe it's good for some people, but it's I certainly haven't found it. And doggone if through twelve step work I didn't find that. Wow. And, and wow. to me, it was borderline miraculous. Uh, I, I did not see that that was a possibility for me. And I found that it's a possibility for me and for anybody else who makes the 12-step journey. It, it, it is amazing. Wow, beautifully said. All right, so how has this affected, I'm gonna start with you, Kim. How has this affected your spiritual life? How has your spiritual life changed through your involvement with the Mosaic Center programs? Well, I get to do the two things that I love, and that is to teach and serve the Lord. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm blessed beyond. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. Gerilyn? Um, it's just, I 
It brings me joy every day that I get to see women who lack self-confidence gain that self-confidence and be able to just do awesome things with their lives and watch God work through it. It just brings me joy. Yes, yeah, so it's a matter of seeing God work. It's this constant opportunity to watch God work. George? Uh, when, we moved, when we moved here, I was looking for a place that would allow me to, to work the steps within the context of my Christian faith. And I, so I'm grateful, I'm grateful to be here because I have found you know, what I was looking for. And, and, um, and I can't, it's, the, 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 ste the steps for me, it's kind of funny, you know, you, 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 walk, you walk the Christian journey, you think you're trusting God, but in reality, you're kind of acting as though it all depends on you. Yeah. Which, which gets me into trouble every time. Yeah. And what yeah. the 12 steps have allowed me to do is to begin to really trust God with my life. Yeah. And that, and as I said, that has made all the difference. I, I can't even begin to tell you. You got to do it to experience it. Yeah. Will you thank these guys for what they do on behalf of all these? Excellent. 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 So the last verse in the scene with Zacchaeus is uh, he's, 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 at, he's at the house as a treasure of a line. I want you to read this together. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It's almost like that's the summary statement for what Jesus stood up and said when he was quoting from Isaiah in chapter 4. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor and proclaim release to the captives, to, to, set it, uh, to, to proclaim freedom, sorry, to proclaim release to the captives and those who are blind, I can't get it now, uh, to, to, to set it free, those who are oppressed. Anyway, he finally, after he stumbled through it really bad, he said, look, here's what I'm trying to say. The son of man came to seek out and save the lost. That's what I'm just trying to say right here. So if the Son of Man came to seek out and save the lost, then provenient grace is the seeking out part. And that word lost is kind of beautiful, and I can't close until I've told you about this word lost. The Greek word for lost has a couple of meanings in the New Testament. One is the sense of kind of lost cause, you know, destroyed, gone, blotted out, hopeless. It's what we often use the word for in the Christian, when Christians talk about the other people, you know, the ones who are doomed if they don't get saved. They're lost. But there's another way this word gets used in Luke. It's something more like the lost of a lost coin or, or, a, or a lost sheep. When Jesus uses that word here in Zacchaeus' house, he is using the same word that he used in other places in Luke just for those stories, that the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son, in those stories, lost simply means that thing we're looking for that's in the wrong place. Isn't that cool? And when we find it, what do you do with the thing? If you find it in the wrong place, what do you do with it? You put it in the right place. That's right. And if that's the kind of loss Jesus is talking about when he's looking at Zacchaeus, well, that kind of loss kind of makes me emotional. This is not a lost cause we're talking about, somebody who's damned and beyond hope. This is just a guy in the wrong place. 
And what do you do when you find something in the wrong place? You put it in the right place. So Zacchaeus is a visual aid for his own salvation story. We find him, when we find him, he's, he's literally in the wrong place. A grown man, a corrupt grown man tax collector sitting up in the tree. You don't expect to find that on your way through town. And Jesus finds him and he, and he takes him out of the wrong place and he puts him in the right place, in the heart of God. Think about that idea in the context of our Mosaic Center projects and the friends we meet through them. There are no lost causes, just folks who may be in the wrong place, but who are desperate to find their right place. What do you do when you find someone who missed out on a high school education? You help them get where they belong. What about somebody whose record keeps them from employment? You help them find their way back. What about someone who struggles to make ends meet or who struggles to find friends or who, who got lost in, a, in, the, in, the, in the prison of addiction or, or, or got lost in unhealthy relationships? What do you do when you find something in the wrong place? You put it back where it belongs. That's the spirit of missional communities. Missional communities seek out and invite those who are in the wrong place and just needing some help getting back to the right place. Before Jesus leaves Zacchaeus' house, and I'm just going to speed through this for y'all. I'll give you the quick version. He, he tells this parable. He says, here's what it's like. It's like this guy he goes out on a trip. He's, he's rich, and he's going to come back a king. But before he goes, he gives some of his money to one guy, some more money to another guy, and some more money to a third guy. And each of those first two, when he comes back, each of those first two has invested that money. Ten minus for the first one, five minus for the second one. He's invested that money, and, and they've invested that money, and so they can hand him back twice his, in, it, what, if, what he gave them. And so he's so proud of them. He says, well done. You get, you get, you're in charge of ten cities. You're in charge of five cities. Well done. The third guy, because he thought the man was just mean, he said, I'm not going to do anything for him. I'm just going to bury it and hope for the best. And so he does. Puts in the cloth, puts in a safe place. When he, when he comes back, he's a little embarrassed because the other guys have done good things. And, and he says, I'm just giving you back what you gave me because I thought you were mean. Isn't that just hilarious? And Jesus says, well, to the, the man says to that guy, it's part of the parable, he says, well, if you thought I was mean, you should have at least put the money in the bank so it could get interest. <laughs> and I think Jesus uses a word there for stupid. It's a Greek word. You don't really pick it up, but it's like, come on, people. Not really, I'm just joking. What he really says is, this is how the end is going to come, folks. Some people will have invested what's been given to them, and other people will not have invested it because they will have had the wrong view of the guy in charge. They will be so afraid of God that they won't give what they've been given. And they will become like Zacchaeus, takers instead of givers. 
And so Jesus says, this is how the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed. It will be like friends taking young adults on the spectrum out for a night at the bowling alley. That happened Thursday. It will look like listening to a parent who's tired and at the end of their rope it happened last week. It will look like hanging in there with somebody who doesn't get math the first time around. We've got somebody who finally passed his practice math test. He's on the verge. It looks like some people from the community coming to lay mulch for an inclusive playground right after the service, right out there, 1230, meet them. And like friends who made a meal for some other friends because they just wanted to walk the journey with them. That happened on Friday. That's how it happens. One conversation at a time, one meal at a time, one prayer at a time. That's how the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed without, throughout the whole world as a testimony to the nations. And then the end will come. Which is to say that missional communities welcome and advance the kingdom of God. Will you stand? The thing is, for the kingdom to come at all, it has to come in our hearts first. Because this, this venture, I mean, I know what you're doing. You're still waiting for the ask. I'm telling you, there's no ask here. <laughs> there's just a desire people to meet Jesus. That's it. That's to come in your heart first where you shake yourself loose from gospel as fire insurance thinking. From this place just wants me to volunteer my time thinking to no, actually what God wants from me is to believe he's a good God. That he's good. And he just wants to take me. I'm in the wrong place. He just wants to put me in the right place so that I can be as excited, so that my testimony can be as exciting as Zacchaeus. Y'all, I don't want to be a taker anymore. I want to be a giver. Not if I've done anything wrong, but I have done some stuff. And I just want to, I want to, I want to give back. I want to make it right. I want to do my part. I want to see the kingdom come. Tie your head, close your eyes, and just ask yourself, where am I in that equation? Am I in the wrong spot? Did I just get it wrong? Find myself up a tree? Or have I been persistently unwilling to even go looking for where Jesus might be on the way? Am I a taker? Oh, Jesus, am I a taker? I want to be on fire, Jesus. I want to be on fire for you. I want to be so excited for what you have done, are doing, will do. Even the things I can't see, the yeses I don't even have logic for, I want to be so excited, so, so bold 
so bold in my yes to you, to your call on my life that nothing can get in the way of that. Nothing. Jesus. I want to speak Jesus. I just want to speak Jesus. Lord, so whatever it takes, whatever tree I need to come down out of, whatever thing I need to confess, whatever it is that I, that I have missed, if I'm in the wrong spot, Jesus, please tell me. I just want to speak Jesus. That's what I want. And I want that for all my friends here. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.